And we're back. Welcome back, everybody, to a free bonus transmission. Ooh, oh, this is this is yeah, this is a special thing. This is Jamie and I's uh, first time covering some films that are playing a film festival for the podcast, and we thought this would be a special time to unlock and do a special bonus transmission for everybody because mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about some films that are you know a little bit maybe not on everybody's radar, maybe not even coming out for a couple months, and it might be worth you know shining a light on some of these films and yeah. You yeah. know, we uh, for for anyone on the main feed unfamiliar with the bonus transmission, it is the uh, section over on the Patreon of the show that Jamie and I we uh, we talk about new release genre films. We talk about the the kind of films that are spiritual successors to the kinds of sh- uh, films that we talk about on uh, the main feed. And we, yeah, we just, we, we get to have fun. We get to just uh, see what the new filmmakers are trying to bring to the table and Mm -hmm. uh, speak for Spooktober, especially it's always a huge month for the bonus transmissions because sometimes there's so many horror films out. We try to get two out, which is something that we're going to be once again doing this (laughs) month. Yeah. It's insane. All the new stuff that's dropping online. I've just been pretty much going nonstop. A lot of three-star classics but still some some decent ones nonetheless absolutely um so definitely look forward to that we're going to be having a bonus transmission coming out sometime uh before halloween where we're going to be talking about some of the ones you've been waiting for things like uh uh, halloween ends smile bodies 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 uh i'm trying to remember what other ones that we're going to be covering but the monsters rob zombie how could i forget you know yeah we got we got some we got some spooky vibes on the way um But before then, we have this very special bonus transmission for you where we are going to be talking about some of the films that Jamie and I were able to see at the Toronto After Dark Film Festival. So thanks to uh, Adam and Christian over there for uh, giving us some press access so that we could uh, get these uh, films covered and even have a, a bonus episode ready to go by the time the festival is over. And there's a couple, unfortunately, we weren't able to get access to that we would have liked to cover because they they Mm. had a pretty cool slate overall, I would say, of like some pretty international uh, genre cinema that played. They had uh, the new um, film from Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson, Something in the Dirt, that unfortunately we didn't get a chance to check out. Uh, They also had the film that I think is going to open in wide release on Halloween weekend called Pray for the Devil, which looks like Girl Boss. Uh, exorcism movie right. i don't know if did you did you see that one it was no no um, i didn't yeah it's like literally like it's like the, the the first uh woman priest who gets to do an exorcism or something uh and there was no screener available for that one so i i'm not sure if they feel the most confident in that one we'll we'll <laughs> we'll see i guess everyone can check it out when it comes out on halloween weekend but we didn't yeah. get a chance to see that i would like to um, see a, another decent exorcism movie they're just so so rare nowadays so maybe who knows yeah well and it's by the guy i think who did the last exorcism which was oh. that the found footage one? I'm trying to remember. I can't even remember. Either yeah, way, that came so out in like 2010. I remember that coming out. Like, uh, I remember when it came out in theaters. So I was like, wow, I haven't seen that guy's name in a while. Yeah. I um, do you remember that title? But I can't remember if I've seen it or not. Yeah. But either way, they, they had a pretty cool slate of films and, cl- and, a, and a, a documentary about the, the Child's Play films with Don Mancini. Uh, but Jamie and I were only able to catch a few. And we also caught a couple shorts that we want to bring up, too, to highlight some of those as well. So yeah. uh, but there but there was a, a cool selection of international genre cinema, all of which we're going to be talking about today. 
we're going to be doing uh, one film called Hazard, which was a Belgian film directed by a man named Jonas Govertz, uh, who is the guy behind a film called Cub, which I've heard people like. And uh, it was a uh, <laughs> a pretty cool uh, <laughs> little adrenaline uh, film. Yeah, I mean, it's really just like a drug heist gone wrong thriller, but it's filmed entirely in the backseat perspective of the dude's car. So think I think some people were comparing it to something like that movie with Tom Hardy called Locke. Um, But there was actually another one in 2017 that Netflix put out with Frank Grillo called Wheelman, which is a little bit closer to what this actually is, because it's like it's it's a guy is a driver. He's part of a, you know, a, like a crime gone wrong. And it's literally just how does he drive his way out of the various situations and how does his car just keep getting increasingly destroyed and how does the situation keep getting worse for him? Mm-hmm. Um, but 80 minute movie, a lot of fun. We're going to get into that one. Um, and then after we're going to be talking about one of the ones I was the more excited about and unfortunately disappointed in. we're going to be talking yeah. about the new film from Neil Marshall, uh, well known for uh, by many for his uh, creature feature sort of action thrillers that he did in the mid two thousands. Actually, when did Dog Soldiers come out? Why uh, am I? Yeah, was I that even that earlier? Was been, that the nineties? Uh, no, I thought that that one was. Let me see. Oh, t- it was earlier. Uh, two thousand two. 2002. Okay. So it was a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So dog soldiers and the descent. He's the, obviously the English filmmaker behind, um, those. And, and he does love the idea of little monsters hanging out in underground caves, (laughs) which I will say this new film, the layer, uh, in terms of premise. Yeah. That's what it, it, it it is pitched as uh, Neil Marshall's return to his, uh, his roots after spending a little bit of time doing uh, a failed big budget Hellboy movie and uh, shooting some, obviously some episodes of Game of Thrones and some other TV as well. So we will uh, be getting into Neil Marshall's new venture, which I will say is uh, interesting, uh, <laughs> especially because most of his films are now basically direct to video movies uh, that yeah. are star vehicles for his fiance. And so we will, <laughs> we will get into how that applies to this new film specifically when yes. we talk about it. Uh, and then last uh, we are going, or last in terms of features, we are going to be talking about a film I hadn't even heard of, but I was really glad that I, I was able to check it out called mm-hmm. uh, Evil Eye, which was a sort of Mexican folklore witchcraft horror film directed by a man named Isaac Esban. And uh, it was really interesting. It, it has yeah. this weird quality where it's almost like a children's horror film. And it's it's from the point of view of like, you know, oh, the, the, maybe the grandma's kind of creepy. And then when it actually becomes a horror film, it's pretty dark and pretty disturbing yeah. and, and, and more graphic and sort of monster effects driven um, than I expected of it. And uh, I was pretty impressed with it, actually. Yeah. And uh, we'll get to it. But it also has a, a fairly cruel ending too, which I was yeah, really surprised by. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's solid. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about all of those. And then at the very end, I think Jamie and I, we we each watched um, quite a few shorts, horror shorts that were playing the festival. And we're going to list out uh, kind of go back and forth honorable mention style and almost just list out a couple of the ones that uh, kind of stood out to us because we, we believe it or not, we have covered shorts before on mm-hmm. the podcast. Uh, our, our good friend Perry made it into the top 10 of the year when he made his short. Um, oh, yeah. So Sungazer, I believe. Sungazer. Very Great good. film. 
great film. We we like a, a good horror short, and uh, there were a couple cool ones that were playing the festival. So, yeah, if you if you want to hear about all those and and more, there is some international genre cinema talk about to start here, and we are going to get into it. Let's start off with Hazard. Yeah. Well, yeah. For the the first thing for me that pops out about Hazard uh, was how they did the the, the camera work. It's very fluid, mm-hmm. and it it's constantly showing like every move that he makes when he's making a decision about driving. They'll do kind of like a a close up of of the gauge, and then a close up of him shifting shifting gears. And and I think what differentiates it is just how the camera flows between those shots. Like a lot of the time, it's actually very almost stabilized, moving from one thing to another, um, and it mm-hmm. just creates this kind of like adrenaline filled. Uh, momentum that i that i really i i latched onto quite a bit and it's yeah uh, yeah a short film so it, it's it's kind of one of those like you know it's pure action really it's just like thrills the entire time until it's over um and they have a little bit of like dramatic stuff but they don't uh, lean too heavily on it luckily um and so yeah it was it's it's a lot of fun yeah, the, the yeah the, the the basic premise is that this uh, it's about this is this driver named Noah and and he's not a chauffeur he's not a wheelman he's a driver he wants you to know that he's just he's really good at driving he really loves driving he loves his car his yeah. car is this kind of like hilariously kind of. Uh, tacky like like, need like for gold. speed underground kind of thing it, yeah, it's absolutely what it looks like <laughs> and it's 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 wonderful it's like the, it is like a like a gold encrusted street car yeah and yeah. the entire soundtrack too is like this like pounding electronic like euro dance music which is a lot of fun that definitely kind of gets the energy mm-hmm. going up and and i like this main actor who he's playing this character noah the the actor is uh dimitri vegas and apparently he is just like a Euro uh, like DJ or something oh, like that. Really? But wow. but he had he has a really like tough attitude on screen. And he reminded me, honestly, he kind of just looks like Scott Adkins. Dude, I was and literally just going to say that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah totally. he, he, like he, he absolutely looks like like an action star. I even thought he was going to start you know, and He's shit. just driving a car. <laughs> yeah, it, it, he does absolutely give a Scott Adkins vibe. And it's even like the way he I guess it's just that tough guy act uh, that really reminds mm-hmm. you of it. Um, it's any time that Scott Adkins and a very European kind of tough guy too, with like yeah. you know he's got like a perfectly trimmed beard. He's got like <laughs> this like fancy lad tracksuit on, you know, yeah, like <laughs> exactly, yeah. Which I think too, if I'm not mistaken, matches the car, which I thought was very yes. funny. Like he's just he's suited up for that for that vehicle that he loves so dearly, um, and yeah, and and they do these funny things too. There's a little bit of like. Uh, gross out humor it's it's it as much of it as it is a action or thriller it's very much a comedy um and they do stuff like uh you know people are eating in his car and like licking their fingers and putting it on the seat and they give like these big disgusting close-ups of the food that's like just left over on his uh on his seat behind him as he's looking over at it all pissed off um there's uh (laughs) there's there's a moment where um, you think that a cop is going to fuck them in the butt uh, to get so that they can get away with what they're doing, and it turns out he wants to fuck his car, which you can't quite <laughs> tell if he's more upset about like not like if it was going to be him or his car. You can't really tell. He's just so in love with it. Um, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. There's I mean, the, the, the tone of this thing. Yeah, it's absurd, and the tone is incredibly vulgar in yes. terms of. 
Like it just it like it, it's very juvenile in a way that I think will be maybe hit or miss for people. Sure, but I yeah. found it like the the energy with which it's directed, I thought made it quite a bit more convincing because like the the way that you just follow as Jamie was kind of laying out like his thought process, like the way that he'll, you know, he'll think about, you know, he's about to change gears or he's about to turn his blinkers on, or he's going to look in his mirror to see what's behind him. Like the camera is constantly feels like it's like whip panning or like Mm -hmm. from the point of view of his mirrors or, you know, the trunk or the rear view camera. I love when he goes in reverse and it's just like, an action movie from the perspective of his of his actual rear view camera and yeah. or like there's POV shots of like the bullet holes in his car when he starts getting shot at at certain points. And yeah, it's it's just it's it's kind of like imagine the situation he finds himself in, like imagine the opening scene of Winding Refn's drive where he's just with these dudes who are like really bad at the heist they're about to do. And it's just the movie is locked into the car as he sits there and waits for them to like, they even do the exact same scene where like they go inside to break in and he hears the alarm go off and he's waiting for them to hurry up. And the same thing happens here where they go in, he drops them off in front of a house where they're about to steal his cousin and his, his weird Hitler mustachioed friend (laughs) are going to break into a house and steal a bunch of like basically designer drugs and make their way out with them. But it goes, you know, the sense of humor that the movie has is like, he's out there watching to, to watch guard. Yeah. And then he doesn't pay attention because he's so obsessed with, you know, like the, the orientation of his car and how it looks. And he's, he's distracted dressing up his car a little bit in the other, in, in the other seat while literally the drug dealers come home and start like taking shots at his brother and he has to drive away and everything like that. But it's just, for me, it's just, the level of detail that it's filled with in like the weirdo personalities of like the guy who, you know, his, his cousin, for example, like just having his flip flops out the window of his car while smoking a joint in his car Being and then like saying, you know, he, cloud rapper. <laughs> yeah. And he has like a, like a, a USB drive. That's a penis that he plugs into his car so that he can freestyle rap. And his rap is just the worst yeah he's like i'm a clean condom and you're a dirty tampon and i'll (laughs) fuck your dad and your mom like these are the lyrics to his song yeah and it's like aggressively uh, presented like he's just yelling essentially the entire time and i don't know you put a you put a heavy bass trap beat behind that and it probably might even bump in the whip but uh it, it's just it, it would have it would need a good producer you know but it, yeah it's unpurposely obnoxious um and it is for the really the entire runtime until maybe they get to a little bit of that like familial stuff like he has a uh, uh yeah a step i don't know if it's his daughter or if it's his stepdaughter but um i think it's his daughter yeah okay and uh they they seem to be kind of like I don't know. Not they, they seem to have a closeness, but it, you know he's concerned about things maybe he shouldn't be concerned about, um, and it kind of gets them into trouble. And more specifically, his daughter. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, like the 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 girlfriend or or wife is like very clearly, you know, she's like, I want a husband who has like a real job and isn't involved in all of this like weird wacky bullshit that your you know your criminal cousin gets up to and everything like that so he he begins the movie like trying to be like i'm not going to get involved with that stuff anymore and the cousin just says hey just you know i have one little thing i got to do just like drop me off here and and watch and we'll drive away and then obviously every single 
possible thing that could go wrong goes wrong for him and it just turns into like the worst day imaginable and and it, it is just a series of logistics of how can he stay in this car and also deal with the, the fact that you know he has drug dealers chasing him and shooting at him and trying to kill him while he's also late to like pick up his daughter from school like almost bad yeah. lieutenant style and also he's also bad lieutenant style he's placing bets on the fight that he's listening to on the radio and yeah. you know and th- like there's a, there's the a for it to the point where even the betting guy is just like you i know you don't have the money uh and he insists and he's just like all right it's your funeral <laughs> and just signs him up anyway so he he definitely has a past of a of yeah. failure yeah yeah so i was i was just pretty impressed that they they did for the most part i i think it kind of falters a little bit at the very very end where you can kind of feel it running out of situations to put him through sure um yeah. And also having to wrap up like the stuff with like the the drug dealers eventually kidnap his daughter. And that becomes the, the motivating factor for most of the second half of the film is just get the drugs back from his cousin and um, uh, get them back to the dealers so that he can get his daughter returned to him, right. um, yeah. which which obviously they find ways to complicate in some cool action scenes. Like, for example, the most dangerous looking set piece, in my opinion, is that that one where he has to drive in the underground tunnel after oh, yeah, the kids and it's like filled with people yeah like he's yeah. clearly just drive really driving through like a crowded uh you know uh, civilian area and and the sound design of you know like his cousin yelling at him and him listening to the euro dance music and the radio playing the advertisement for the fights and you know him uh, getting phone calls from his girlfriend or from his girlfriend about where the daughter is even though he knows yeah. that she's been kidnapped by dangerous drug dealers and then just getting into honking match and screaming matches with the fucking civilians on on the streets and stuff while literally like <laughs> driving through crowds of people like it just it gets very very uh layered and complicated in terms of what's physically happening in a pretty cool way and mean obviously as well yeah. like that the, the some of the the humor again it'll be hit or miss with people but man that there's just no reason to include that shot for example when the cop fucks the car and he's licking it <laughs> up and down he's jacking off the wipers he loops and he up fucks the exhaust pipe <laughs> Dude, he fucks his tailpipe and there is literally a POV shot inside the tailpipe of like the semen dripping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it reminded me of the bit in The Counselor where Cameron Diaz fucks Javier Bardem's car. That's exactly I was like, what I just... thought of. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, just I mean, not that not that that is like a sexy scene, but this is even far less sexier. So, yeah. Um <laughs> Also, the uh, it even it even goes into some like I don't know surreal fantasy kind of things too. Like the, the two parts that uh, go. Come Are you talking about me. the animated part of it? Yeah, where it's almost. Um, I, well, maybe that's what I'm talking about. It's the part where they're driving, and it's kind of like it, it almost goes into this like psychedelic trance. The music is going; you can only see the. Oh lights. yeah, the, the, that part's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then there's also um, the the part with the wolf or the dog that just seems like so <laughs> random and surreal. And then you get this giant fucking like mass of blood Gore when they gag. explode it. Yeah. yeah, it's just like it, it it takes a lot of weird turns but somehow i think it's just cuz the the energy is so like high the entire time and um it's not afraid to be as silly as it wants to be that you kind of just buy into all of its absurdity um yeah once well, again, well that's why i think depend on the person watching it but i i enjoyed it 
Yeah. And well, and that's just where I think also locking into the car was probably like the right move on some of this stuff yeah. because it, it like it, it means that he can do crazy stuff without having to, you know, expand his budget to show all of it to you. Mm-hmm. You just it, it, you know, you you get moments where like the guy is in the backseat of the car and he's been shot in the face and they start poking his bullet hole in his face and it just starts like leaking blood everywhere. And there's literally <laughs> kids in the car at the intersection next to them just screaming watching this dude just leak blood everywhere and then the next step is well this we can't like carry this guy around with us let's put his corpse in just like a shipping container and then they have to later then that's when the cop says you guys are trespassing and i'm not gonna let you leave till you let me fuck the car and then (laughs) they have to go back to it to go get the corpse because the drug dealers are like i want all three of you who fucked us over to come and they were like okay well you shot one of us and they go back to that shipping container and there is yeah a wolf has like half eaten that dude's corpse and they go oh well that's not good and then the wolf is like on top of the car and they're like freaking out and (laughs) during the crazy dangerous scene where they hunt down these dudes with the backpacks and they're you know they're driving through the pedestrian areas at like pretty high speeds and even at one point going into um one of those uh shipping elevators like to get to like an underground tunnel like with the car and like people on the hood of the car like just nuts they eventually they find just randomly this speaks to the quality of this film in general they just find a grenade in the kid's backpack (laughs) and they were just like you just know that okay they've introduced a grenade for a reason and so the the one the cousin feeds the grenade to the wolf uh, and it, it just explodes chunks all over the right side of his car. And his car just gets fucking destroyed. It gets like, it gets charred up. It gets yeah. ripped. It gets covered in blood. Everything that could go wrong with his car goes wrong. I did like that it starts, like I was saying, with just as simple as, you know, someone wiping food on the seat to the to the end yeah. of the, the movie, which is just... And, and, and that already annoyed him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I did like that progression as well. Um, and, you know, it, you know, the ending I don't think is is bad. I just it's very conventional and I kind of knew exactly what was going to happen from there. It was the type of movie that I don't think would really suit a miserable ending. I, I feel like that would mm-hmm. kind of be out of left field if it did, but um you know, it just kind of results in something that you you've kind of seen before with um you know, his him and his daughter are trapped and they are uh, put into a lake and they're sinking and then he lets her escape and then he has this like one last epiphany of I'm going to fight and, and figure this out and, you know, gets released and he's okay and the whole family's good to go. Um, yeah. But, it, you know, it, it suits the rest of the film's tone. I, I do feel like if he just fucking died down there looking at the other skeleton people in, in, yeah. in their cars, it would be a little bit too morbid. But uh, yeah, um, that was that was that was a good touch. Like, I like that, you know, like the, the whole finale where he and his cousin have to drive up and like return all the drugs and they know that something's going to go wrong and that there is like kind of like a bit of a fatalism to them going up to this deal. Yeah. And that's the part where Jamie was talking about where they're like, there's like these neon lightning striking as they drive through a void and the brother is just like dancing and doing his doing his thing basically (laughs) seemingly not knowing that he's about to get shot even when he does get shot there's like this pretty dramatic moment where he like shoots a flare up into the air and it's meant to kind of have this you know sort of existential emotional quality to it and I, i i again i don't i don't know that that necessarily registered for me just because of how 
uh, I guess, kind of uh, quick and disorienting and silly the rest of the film is that I, I, I just couldn't as quickly as the film wanted me to. I wasn't sure I immediately bought into how much he cares about his cousin in that moment. I was like, dude, this cousin just like fucked your life up. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the uh, you know, it, it does have a little solid thing where, you know, they have to find a way to do this drug deal scene where he's still stuck in the car and they're going to kill him. So they literally just push the car off the boat and, mm-hmm. you know, have him go down there. And the little detail that they've clearly done it before and they've drowned someone else down there and there's just a car yeah. with a skeleton in it. That's a that's a nice little touch. And and yeah, over, overall, this is like a pretty funny and and vulgar and you know uh to the point yeah trapped in a car heist thriller and uh if, if you can get on it on that level it's like it's 80 minutes and it consistently finds ways to be inventive and destructive and you know pretty visually and sonically busy like the way just yeah. the amount of color and the way that the camera moves and the the, the soundscape of it spe- specifically just always listening to the the radio and the calls and the honking and you know it's it 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 moves um and i i will say i i did get uh quite a bit out of like the trance club soundtrack uh yeah, that, it, that, that it that it that it kind of has uh it, it definitely felt like it kept the movie moving um as well so this was like a pretty solid three for me i think yeah yeah me too it was like a mix between uh lock and crank or something like that crank um, is actually a good comparison i didn't even think of that but yeah, yeah crank is surprisingly like, similar yeah, yeah yeah so um yeah if you if you like those movies you'll probably like this it is uh obnoxious but i think in a in a in a good way so yeah and it has some pretty dangerous looking driving going on in it in a couple parts that i enjoyed so mm-hmm. definitely check it out uh, but moving on here we are going to start next year with the layer the yeah. uh new british uh horror film from neil marshall um <laughs> and I, I, I don't know where to start with this maybe we start with neil marshall i'm, I'm assuming sure, like yeah. me jamie you have a pretty good track record with neil marshall yeah for the most I've, part. I've only seen um i think i've only seen two other movies from him but i did really like them like i i love the descent i think the descent is a fantastic is awesome. horror movie yeah it's yeah. it's awesome you, everyone should check it out if they haven't uh and i kind of like you know I, w- when was that 2005 so i was 13 when that came out so i've it's been stuck with me for quite a while um and then dog mm-hmm. soldiers was one i just watched just i don't know a couple years ago maybe even a year ago um and it's and it's great too awesome action some great effects uh he's just he's good at these um these creature features uh and I do prefer him to go like with the descent. It's almost pure horror. Like there's almost no action in it. There's, there's some here and there just cause they're defending themselves at a certain point. But for the most part, you're just watching people in a really dark cave deal with these incredibly horrifying creatures that can't see, but can have like hyper hearing. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, there's just, yeah, they're the, like bat people pretty yeah, much. There's, there's a lot <laughs> the of design suspense. of them is really cool. Yeah. There's a lot of really well done suspense and, um, it's just, it's great. And dog soldiers is more in line, I guess, with what he's trying to do here where it's, it's more action oriented and, um, and still has like the creatures. Uh, it's just that I guess with this one, I don't know if it's budget. I don't know if it was the writing. Um, it, it seems as if he I don't know who dropped the ball on this, but it's not like it's, it's one of these films that I don't think there's a lack of trying here. Um, there's still some, 
some like I like the 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 creatures themselves when they get into the underground lair. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe we should get into the plot before we get too heavy into. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, because because I went into this excited for the same reason. Like I, the, the descent, it it is it is just pure gnarly suspense filmmaking. And I part of the reason I love that movie is that there's like no reason or explanation for yeah. it to make the turn that it does from being a survival movie to a monster movie. Because like the survival movie, as is of them going into the dark cave and getting stuck. Like that's just it's a scary movie as is and the way that he yep. shot it like it's really well done it really gets into the claustrophobia and like the the really you know the the dirty texture of being stuck in there and feeling like you're 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 unclean and then when it decides to make the turn that it does it is just one of the wettest filthiest like <laughs> bloodiest movies that you'll see of of its kind with just like tearing and puncturing and gushing and it's just it's it's a really really great time and from what i understand dog soldiers is more similarly premised on like that aliens or predator sort of like military monster movie um type type concept which definitely this is doing doing more of um even his weirdo um cannibal virus movie that he did doomsday that movie is oh, cool. like pretty inelegant and sloppy but it, it's it has like the concept of it which is like a mix of escape from new york and like resident evil and like a little bit of mad max in there like you know you can you can see what he's aiming for and it does at a certain point have um you know some it's gross enough that i get some enjoyment out of it and even his hellboy which i think is bad there's there's kind of like this there's this like r-rated edgelord quality to it that i kind of found entertaining gotcha yeah um and you know it, it didn't it didn't really work but i it's a it's a weird movie uh definitely weirder than like you know like the big battle episodes he he was the one doing for like game of thrones but right needless to say apparently he's left all of this behind he left hbo and he left studio genre filmmaking after he met a actress by the name of charlotte cook or kirk sorry yeah who, uh, like Paul W.S. Anderson and Mila Jovovich before them, have decided that they are exclusively going to make movies together. She is going to be his muse and his co-writer. And he's basically said in interviews that he only wants to make movies that star her basically forever. Um, And uh, she is a relatively, from what I could see, like unknown actress who got a couple roles. I think she was in Oceans 8, apparently. I don't even remember her in that. She's a nonstop. But looking... Nonstop, yep. Yep, looking looking her up, uh, the only thing I could find were some articles about her extramarital affairs that she had with the heads of Universal and Warner Brothers, okay. <laughs> which no judgment there, girl, get the bag, you know. <laughs> um, but 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 the, the combination of her and Marshall means that, yeah, it seems like they don't seem like the most inventive collaborators as writers he's now getting direct-to-video like b-movie budgets to kind of work with her and it shows and i will say i i don't know that she's got the juice uh she doesn't seem like she's that compelling of a presence and she definitely is weirdly clean uh was my note um for for this film 
Yeah, like just for like considering previous Neil Marshall protagonists who just get <laughs> covered in dirt and blood and just, yeah. you know, like she just doesn't seem like she's willing to do that. She constantly looks like she's a uh, a badass pilot who just stepped off of like an H&M ad or something like that. Like she just she she looks perfectly just like made up. Her clothes don't even yeah. seem to get dirty. And even in the parts in the movie where she, you know, she has gone deep into the underground cave and seen head explodes around her. She just, you know, they, they put like a little a little dab of blood on her forehead and she yeah. still looks perfect. Yeah, this you know? is the type of thing that should be, especially once you see the monsters and just how like strong they are and how kind, kind of like, I don't think it's filmed in the best way, but I, I think the monsters could be considered kind of scary and all of that. Um, she should just be like absolutely covered in mud, unrecognizable by the end of something like this. And uh, yeah, she does kind of keep the whole, uh, the, the model-esque quality of her the the entire time, I think. Um, not to say mm-hmm. that there isn't like a few scenes in here where they try to bloody it up and, and make it kind of, uh, gory. Like there's, there's some, some body explosions mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but it just, for me, most of this was the, the writing. I just found it to be, um, it's, it's bizarre. It's, yeah. And it's, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can get into the, the stuff with, are they in Afghanistan? I believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, they're, but they're, they're in Afghanistan where the U.S. Air Force have apparently uh, previously dropped a Moab on a remote sort of province there. And as a result, they think that, you know, it's maybe uh, been radioactive or it's unleashed something they didn't quite I- expect, some sort of beast that has now started killing uh, local Afghan villagers and become something of kind of like a, a legend, almost like a werewolf to locals talking about mm-hmm. like the dog soldiers um, connection. And... He also is definitely going for, you can tell because he opens with the John Carpenter font, uh, which I was like, Mm. I don't know about that choice, dude. But you can tell that he's going a little bit for something like The Thing as well. Yeah. Just with the Arctic replaced with Afghanistan. There's even actually like a big shot at one point of them looking at an alien craft uh, with like that same wide shot. And there's like a, you know, there's a synth score to it and everything like that. Um, But it's a weird combo where like it's trying to be aliens or the thing or dog soldiers or the descent but then it's also like i can't tell if it's on purpose or not but yeah it is also just a really really silly 80s actioner pastiche yeah but with like a direct-to-video budget like and just the amount of the way the characters talk to each other, the way that they're surrounded by what's like obviously like CG smoke and gunfire <laughs> yeah. and done on like a low budget. I just it it felt really, really silly in in ways that in some cases you could tell they were doing it on purpose. And in other times I was like, I don't think that they are. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't tell based on the, the tone crosses between like serious actioner and like almost military movie to like we're mocking this very thing, but it never finds its own voice. It feels like I, I, I just mm-hmm. felt like the entire time, anytime that they would do one of those, you know, kind of corny action or lines from one of the military guys, I would, I would hear the line. <laughs> They're so bizarre, dude. Yeah. I would hear the line and I, and I'd be like, okay, that sounds like you're poking fun, but the delivery and the filmmaking itself is so dry. So you get kind of crossed wired there and, and I'm just, not totally sure exactly what he was going for by the end. I, I, I could not tell if he was trying to make a very, like a serious film more in the lines of descent, just in the sense of tone, or if he was going 
for, I guess, the Dog Soldiers thing, because I think Dog Soldiers has a little bit of comedy involved in it because of its kind of just ludicrous plot. But, um, yeah, I just don't think you found the balance here <laughs> whatsoever. It, I, I could never tell really what he was going for. Yeah, no, I think the biggest hang up people are going to have is honestly just going to be the performances. Um, sure. Yeah. And and, and, and maybe the also the writing. It's like a, it's, it's a question of more than anything. Like, I think the performances are not great, obviously. But I when I'm listening, I think to the some eye of patch lines, dude fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the British guy who's like clear. He's like a Battlestar Galactica actor. Mm. And he's very clearly trying to do like some like rah, rah, like Southern American drill instructor kind of <laughs> sure. accent. Yeah. And every time he delivers a line, I was just like, I, it's so low rent. And so yeah. like, this is, this is like worse acting than you would expect in a direct to video, um, action film. Yeah, I, I I've think... actually come to expect more out of my Scott Adkins films than what this guy is delivering as an actor. Yeah. I think that that was part of the mix, I guess, in tone was like, he would be given lines that I would think as an actor, you would just ham up and like kind of lean into the, the the ridiculousness and the and the silliness of like the premise and the line itself but he plays it or at least tries to like plays it almost completely dry and serious as if he's like like a, a very serious character doing something um that we should uh i i just i don't know I, I don't think he read the tone properly and it's not like the writing helps so i would agree yeah he, it wasn't very yeah, good well, and, and even the british actors seem like they're doing cartoon like british accents which i was like <laughs> neil marshall is british like he should know like like they're yeah. like you'll you'll have the the american general played by a british guy be like my life may not be worth blood nickel but I will hold this position until the last cartridge. And, <laughs> and, and he's delivering this very seriously. And then you'll just dead center. He'll look at like a, like one of the local, you know, British soldiers and he'll be like, jolly governor. <laughs> let's, let's go give these monsters some tea. <laughs> and it, it's, it's, and, and there's also a guy doing like a Welsh accent and yeah. I, it's, at, at a certain point, it, it did become hard to distinguish between what was comedic pastiche and or like meant to be like a critique of like people who have done cartoon depictions of soldiers in previous action films or something. Yeah. Or what is just really, really poor um, writing and acting, which which to me did make it a little less scary when those characters are then confronted by these giant monsters who just have like teeth and no eyes and claws and who do start at a certain point, like pretty viciously ripping into, you know, these characters and like peeling their faces off and biting yeah. their jaws off. And like, like it, it gets pretty nasty, but I was just sitting there going, man, I have never felt less danger for any characters because these are all just cartoons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And you really just don't care about the whole unit as a whole. Um, they do have, like you were saying with some of the violence, there's one in particular that I was shocked that they had in it just because it, it looked really good and it was very in your face and violent was when the guy gets one of the claws from the monsters, like through his face uh, in the elevator. Great. Dude, that yeah. was awesome. Um, his face just splits open with a claw coming right through it yeah. and it's full practical. It looks awesome. Yeah, it looks great. It really does. And I was just like, that, we needed more of this. I could have honestly dealt with all the the bad writing if it just had a, a bunch of great effects work and, and was just having fun with that. But 
Um, it takes it. It takes the drama of itself uh, a little too seriously. Uh, there's a little bit too much in between, and even exposition. some of the effects work gets a little wonky in some parts too. Yeah, like some, which I, I don't. I don't usually bad. like to harp on, but it like like when you have such a good stuff, the yeah the, the the other stuff can yeah like the the big explosions don't look good. Um, some of the um, you know, times where the movie kind of threatens to go tremors mode and it's trying to like up the levels of silliness and it's, it's, it's ambitious, but it doesn't, it doesn't quite deliver on it. Like you'll see an incredibly CG, like uh, the creatures have like little venom tongues that like fly out and start like grabbing people's necks and stuff like that. And the shot will just like not look particularly convincing, but then they'll cut to like a close up of them doing like the practical tongue around someone's neck being yeah. pulled on. And like that part will look good. And it's yeah. just constantly switching between the two. It's not like particularly integrated, but you know, there are a few moments like, like fucking when the, when the, the one army general, um, he grabs the grenades and hurls himself at the monster and blows both his arms off. And <laughs> yeah, the, the actual like blown off arms effect is done in that like old school kind of like eighties effects way. That's, you know, kind of charming. And the, also the actual shot of just like the monster's guts just <laughs> flying all over the soldiers and stuff like that stuff's pretty good yeah totally agree Th those were all the the highlights for me was anytime like the monsters were on screen and it's not like you know the monster design is is kind of standard like you said no no eyes big teeth they're growling they're throwing people around um but they have enough like weight to them as it's it's like whoever they got to be in the suits well, well it's dudes in rubber people. suits yeah yeah so I, which i kind of appreciate someone you yes. know doing that because I I'm so tired. Like when you see the CGI on a, a creature, it's just like it, it takes it completely out of it. I'd rather a shitty looking guy in a suit than uh, a CGI character half the time or a creature half the time. Uh, and it, it stays committed to that practical effects work a lot of the time, at least. And, and I really did respect that. And, you know, that's that's what Neil Marshall usually does. So th those moments, yeah. you can tell that he's like really having I a just good found, time and being in his own. So. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you felt this. I kind of just felt like the he was missing like a lot of the intensity that something oh, yeah. like the descent has. Like like the like the way that he shot it, it felt like these kind of like silly, not particularly dynamic like wide shots of the monsters in like big rubber suits like running around. Which again, I on some level am charmed by yes. because I just think that that's you know Especially I think that's in, like, very daylight, silly. Like a daylight tent, and you still have the big monster just in full display. Like I love that. I think that that. You know, usually it takes yeah. balls <laughs> to do that. Um, yeah. So so like like I I was loosely charmed by the fact that he did that. But as yeah. a result, it doesn't like the body horror doesn't actually translate to you really being very, I don't know, kind of like creeped out by it. It's just kind of passably kind of goofy. And I think some people will get some entertainment out of that. And I do think that in the actual physical violence that it's there for me it's just when it switched back to the characters also treating the situation like it was silly yeah i did it didn't get much out of that like the you know like the one guy pulling up the bat and being like batter up you son of a bitch <laughs> and it's like it's like planet terror stuff you know it's it's yeah. it's the kind of stuff i don't really like about that where it's like intentionally quote unquote bad sure um yeah. 
And yeah, like that, that stuff didn't work for me, especially too, when they're delivering like very serious lines later, where they're like, right. are you telling me that the entire Russian invasion of Afghanistan was a smokescreen and it was all a rabbit hole just to investigate these extraterrestrial aliens? That's fucking huge, dude. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then you have the big slow-mo overlit hero shot and the low angle like push in on like all of them like walking up to be like, you know, the monsters have so far been attacking us and we've been scared of them. Now it's time for us to go to their home. And it's like this huge hero push in. It's so it's like fake movie levels of exaggerated. And then you have the guy be like, ladies and gentlemen, Let's boogie. And then you have the Welsh guy be like, you jammy twat. I wish I said that. Yeah. That's so cool that you said that. And yeah, being and almost just... like way too self-aware in that sense, too. It's and that's yeah. the thing. It's like it's strange that it's it's clearly in a lot of moments self-aware. It even ends with like a joke where they're like they have the um, the the car and they have to they're like it's doing this big zoom out of the camera as they're all just making jokes about how the car won't start and they have to start it again. And then they eventually it does start and they go off or whatever. Um, (laughs) It it felt in that moment, like I should have previously been watching a very silly and um, over the top action film. And it just never quite gets there and it never gets. Well, yeah, it it never feels like it intentionally has that tone. It doesn't feel like it was. and, And part of the reason is that it also, it's not replicating the actual, I don't know, like cheaper grindhouse style of the kind of film it's trying to be. Oh, yeah. Like it just looks like a low rent direct to video movie. So Pretty as a result, lit. yeah, like the whole like I think that's the the main kicker is that I feel like these cartoon performances and the kind of tone it wants to have could look could translate better if it actually looked like the kind of movies that it's it's referencing or it's trying to be. And it just doesn't. It just it looks like cheap garbage a lot of the time um yeah. even though they've clearly put some work into the effects and you know even the set like the actual like final set piece that takes place in the bunker i don't mind like the wide angle uh sort of like uh, sort of like neon glow stick lit tracking shots of them getting pursued by the creatures and stuff like that but you know it's just it, it, it's one of those things where yeah it, it feels like I don't know if Leo Mar- Marshall has kind of lost something or if this is just we've lost something in the way that movies get made, even since the made to the mid 2000s, yeah. where this just would have, you know, the default would have been that this was shot on film and that he couldn't <laughs> right. rely on very much CG. And I like I don't know if that's what's happening or if I who fucking knows. But I but I will say the the, the finale of this other than the gore, it pretty much what I did nothing for me for the most part of like them going down and like confronting the monsters. And it, it's meant to, again, it's meant to be pretty tense and it's like doing this bizarre thing where like the Afghan insurgents are also making their way into the bunker at the same time as the monsters. And there's this bizarre bit where it like cross cuts between one guy fighting off an insurgent who's about to like try to shoot a beheading video of him while Mm -hmm. they're cross cutting between between the monsters who then they kind of hint are Afghan people who have been experimented on. Yeah. And, and it's weird so, too. So Cause like they're, it's they're, just a weird, a weird, there's a weird racial element to that, that I think people might be a little I, turned off by. I, I think it's mostly just a thoughtless thing that they did by accident, but it, it is weird. Yeah. I, I, cause I think like, cause they have that character that 
eventually like tells them, um, you know, I, I joined the group because I had to, because it was, they were going to hurt my family. If I didn't, it's, it helps with defense. It helps with all that. So they kind of like humanize one of the, the characters there, the, uh, uh, mm-hmm. one of the Afghanistan civilians, but it, it just, because they're doing that cross cutting between the monsters and them, it just, it, it feels like there's a lack of, of, I guess, sympathy or empathy for the group, um, even though they have one of the members legitimately telling them a lot of these people are in it for their own protection. And so it just kind of, yeah. and I don't think it's on and, purpose and again. That these, but, and these, these extraterrestrials like kidnapped them and experimented on them. Like they were clearly the victims of this thing first, yeah. and you so know, when in, you're in, like cross-cutting between like killing the monsters and then killing them as well. It just, get, it gives you a weird uh, message that yeah. I don't think was intentional. I really don't. It didn't cross like that. It, for me, it was just like, he needs more action in this finale. So we're just going to have like the whole fight go on. Um, but yeah, but it, it was very clearly some, they shot, he, he shot two different set pieces and I don't even know that they were intended to be cross cut or anything <laughs> yeah, like that. And, but, but again, that, that just leads to the inelegance of the whole thing and why it feels again, just so, I don't know, uh, reductive and generic. And yeah. it, it feels like one of those things where, again, he's he's making a thing that has a, it's another thing you can't you can't tell if that's meant to be another like 80s pastiche. He's critiquing the kind right. of like Afghanistan action films of the era or if it's just bad filmmaking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, ultimately it's up to you watching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. For us, unfortunately it was, it was bad filmmaking, but um, I don't know. I, I still, so. I like, I like Marshall. Uh, I hope he gets back on track from the sounds of it. It doesn't look like he will for a little while if he's just going to work with his wife and this is the kind <laughs> of stuff that they're going to make. Um, but I don't Dude, know. He I think is going he to make to her lead. a movie star. It's coming. Yeah, I feel yeah. it. He needs, if he's going to do it successfully, I feel like he really needs to lean in to the ridiculous aspects of it, the practical effects that he's very good at. Um, and just, I, I don't know. It, this felt so oddly serious for what happens in the movie and the type of dialogue that we're doing. And maybe it's just because it's so like dryly made and the, the filming is very, or the, the lighting is very flat. I, I really don't know exactly why um, the, the tone is so strange in this, but it, it's, I just think he needs to go back to having um, more fun with it and leaning into the ridiculousness, I guess. Yeah, I, I think it's just that they, they had one approach where they wife. were. I'm sorry, but like, yeah. I get you're in love, man. That's fine. But I don't know. I, it, it, it's, it might be detrimental to your filmmaking. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they just they they wrote something incredibly generic and they tried to pass it off as we are silly. making our version of like an 80s silly action movie riff. But as a filmmaker, he's much better at like genuinely tense monster movie filmmaking. Yeah. And yeah, those two things for me just did not end up cohering in in any way and especially yeah. not at this budget level and at this point in his filmmaking career which i don't know if again if it's just the the resources or if it's a a laziness not really sure but you know there's bizarre decisions being made that we don't know who to uh associate to but i but i will say if you just want to see uh at least for like a half hour of the movie i'd say just some dudes in rubber suits tearing soldiers apart yeah. You know, you do get a little bit of that. Uh, some of it looks wonky. Some of it looks good. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the, like when I'm thinking back on the movie, those are the moments that I remember. I don't remember like a damn thing about the exposition or the any time that they're sitting down talking to one another. I, I could have, I could not give a fuck less. Um, oh, you do, you, you didn't love the, uh, the half dirty dozen as they described <laughs> themselves? Yeah, I know. Yeah, the the you know, reference all, didn't even all, pop all their in backstories. Like it's yeah. just it's yeah. Anytime the I was excited anytime the monsters came up because I knew at least that would be fun to watch. So that that's really if you're gonna watch the movie, I think that would be the reason. Um, but if anything, if you're if you're only gonna stick to one Neil Marshall film, I would suggest The Descent, and if not that, Dog Soldiers. Yeah. Well, just also consider the fact that the descent is also like a dudes in rubber suit monster movie. And like that yeah. is, I think, genuinely a, a suspenseful, scary film. And they uh, even technically watch. have less like in your face about it. Like, you know, they have the kind of um, the, the creepiness of, of their design. And I think they do like a little bit of a scream here and there. But for the most part, you're just watching people in a in a cave and they don't have weapons besides like the maybe the like pickaxe or something that they have. So mm-hmm. he even has less to work with to make it exciting. And it, it and it's just far more uh, uh, thrilling than, than anything in this. So I, I don't, I don't know what happened, but I hope he gets back on track. Uh, Cause I do think he's, there's still, the, the thing is that you can see what he's good at in this film still. It's just the, it's just everything else. that's kind of weighing it down a little bit. Yeah, and oh. and very very generic and flat and clean looking. Yeah, um, way for, too clean looking uh, for for a filmmaker that I would otherwise say has like a pretty like again the the descent like that movie the when that girl gets out of that cave and it's like she's back in like daylight and grass or you know like anything yeah. like that you're like holy shit I have not seen what sky looks like I have not seen what a non yeah. dirt blood covered surface looks like for like an hour that's a good you know point. like that it's feeling just, should be similar to when we're like in this underground facility with all these monsters but you just I think that's also a detriment is that it cuts back to outside so often as well you should almost be trapped mm. in this laboratory for a little while. Um, yeah, maybe he just bit off a little too much. He got a little yeah. ambitious with the, the 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 scale of the set pieces that he could pull off. Yeah, that I might don't know. Be, that might be it too. So yeah, for now it's a a two out of five. Um, yeah, same here. But I'll still watch the next one he comes out with. I, I hope he makes another movie I enjoy. Yeah, let's see what him and Charlotte can cook up in the meantime. Yeah. Exactly. Apparently they did another one. Someone I commented on my review uh, saying that uh, if you wanted to see a, a movie about like witch hunts and the great plague and a woman whose makeup never looks anything less than pristine while she is tortured for weeks on end, um, <laughs> that's the movie to watch apparently. So this might just be an issue with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He just, he has, he's like, my wife's too pretty. I just, I can't do it guys. You, you can't put the yeah, I'm trying to her. imagine like the devils, but it stars like an Instagram model, you know, like that would <laughs> yeah. be, <laughs> that would be pretty oh, cool. Um, thank, thank you, Neil. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, the last feature before we move on into the shorts that we're going to be talking about is a uh, pretty cool little one called Evil Eye. Um, mm-hmm. And it is a Mexican uh, horror film directed by one Isaac Esban. Um, and yeah, it, it has this really cool, like ancient folklore, fairy tale, children's film quality where it is kind of loosely about these, uh, two girls, one named Nala and one named, why am I blanking on the other child's name? Uh, Luna, I believe. Yeah. And, 
they are um, spending some time with uh, her grandmother in the countryside because her little sister Luna is uh, very mysteriously ill and they can't seem to figure out what's what's wrong with her and why other children also in the building keep getting sick. Um, so they go to hang out with Granny so that they can go uh, have some place to stay while the parents uh, go investigate some, you know, experimental medical treatment for Luna to figure out what it is that's happening to her. But but essentially Very experimental. <laughs> yes, the um, the sickness seems to be kind of draining her very slowly of life. She's getting pale. Um, she's looking bloodless and it sort of entwines with this very loose sort of children's bedtime spooky story about these triplet sisters who were all haunted by an evil witch and and witches in in this uh suck the children's blood to stay young forever mm-hmm. and they kind of get like a little bit of a backstory that involves like a sorceress and some dark magic egg r- rituals and like little baby creatures called like bacas and mm-hmm. there there is this whole uh you know kind of b- b- you know, folklore, old Gothic yeah. uh, vibe to the whole thing that definitely I think helps it a lot because the little girls are coming from the city where they have phones and there's this kind of like this modern sort of like domestic drama quality to it. And then as soon as they hit granny's house, it becomes like a, you know, a really, really dark Hansel and Gretel ass kind of movie. Yeah. Yeah. And like the whole house, like you said, it's very, uh, very gothic very old school giant mansion haunted house it looks like it's kind of almost been barely cleaned up like you know the the cobwebs in the corner kind of thing and it's it's all um old like i don't know if it's victorian but like old architecture and everything like that Mm -hmm. as soon as she walks drenched in in a layer of like mustard fog yeah yeah exactly (laughs) Uh, and it, like, you know, as soon as she walks in, the grandma is completely unaware of what Wi-Fi even is. Um, so, you know, she's, she's pretty much forced to, uh, engage with this environment and her new found family. Um, cause I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they've really met the grandmother beforehand. Uh, no. Yeah. So this it's, is all it, new it, to it, them. It suggested there's like a bit of a family history that, you know, like the mother maybe didn't necessarily introduce them to her because she's a bit of a, she's an outcast. She doesn't really yeah. leave her house. The grandma looks like in terms of the way that she's dressed, uh, like she's like just walked out of like an Elizabeth battery painting right. or something like she's got like these like very old dresses on and she has like these big fancy hats and the sunglasses yeah, like and the she's basically made her become like stuck in time essentially yeah and and she's basically just as like sickly and wet and splotchy as like the house <laughs> kind of looks and how like decrepit and like not cleaned it is and everything like that and yeah yep. yeah they they essentially get left home with the grandma uh who it, it they start to uh, they're not sure whether the bedtime story has freaked them out or whether the granny is like essentially like an old witch from Suspiria. Right. They don't, they, they, they and, and most of the movie I'd say in the middle section is like the, the older sister Nala, like kind of trying to figure that out. Like is, yeah. is this place just giving me bad vibes because of all like the chipped wallpaper and like gramophones and like dusty carpets and the antique frames and everything like and that and how just like how decayed the, everything looks and also i guess how the grandmother treats her she's very like uh 
old school, very almost stern. conservative in a sense. Like there's that one moment where she has her bathing suit on and she like tells her to cover up and, and says like, you don't mm-hmm. want to look like a whore and all that kind of stuff. Right. So she's definitely not a very uh, open-minded or progressive grandmother in <laughs> that sense. Um, and so, yeah, she starts to feel a little bit uh, restrained and kind of um, just scared of the the new environment and the fact that, you know, her parents have left her. So she really has nowhere to go. She's 13 and her sister is like eight or nine or something like that. So, I mean, like they have, they have nowhere to go. They have to stay here and, and just kind of force themselves into the, the, uh, lack of comfort that they have now. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, I, I think like there's a lot of, excuse me, there's a lot of, uh, fake outs with, with the dream sequences um, mm-hmm. at a certain point, that was my main note too. There's a, there's a little, there's just a, there's a few too many. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't I, like when, a, like I, I can, I, I, if a movie can craft one, well, I think that I, I can visually get into them, yeah. but as soon as you pull like your third or fourth one in a row, I'm kind of like, okay, no, 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 we need to, we need to see like what, what's happening. What is happening. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess by the end, in a sense, like it kind of tells you that a lot of these, maybe even half the dream sequences could have been reality actually happening yeah it's just that when you are watching it for the first time by the third or fourth one you're like holy shit like what are we gonna get some type of answer or some some real progression because it kind of just feels like it stalls a lot because of that um Mm -hmm. and what i will say though is i really like the way uh he uses the camera um they do a lot of these awesome very uncomfortable close-ups of uh of nala uh, especially when she's feeling anxious or kind of trapped. Um, and they're like uncomfortably close up to the point where it just feels like she has nowhere else to go. And I, I did really like all of the strange kind of like Dutch angles that he was using and the, and the severe mm-hmm. close ups. I thought that those were very, very effective. Um, and, and then when it gets, into- I also like the effects work, dude. Oh, yeah. Like they, say, like when they, yep. when they, like, like when he eventually, when they eventually hear like this, the, the scary bedtime story about, you know, the sorceress and, and the witches and they do like, he commits to like a very old school depiction of supernatural witchcraft in a way mm, that I thought yeah. was really, really cool which was like you know like all the little kids go up to like the witch's hut and the witch actually like wears this young woman's skin and she keeps it fresh by keeping it inside of like a pumpkin so you're literally (laughs) like the the kids are like opening up a pumpkin and inside they're like pulling out a skin suit like almost like hellraiser style or something and the grant and the the witch like looks like you know she's like a like a skinless person and uh, yeah like she she looks more convincingly i think like the weird bat creatures from the descent than the new neil marshall film (laughs) does definitely yeah that's a good point because like when they go into uh like when nala starts to have those dream sequences and she's seeing luna get sucked uh suck the blood's being sucked from her by one of um those like those monsters i guess by the end it's like the witch but uh yeah it's she's like completely naked but doesn't have like any discernible real like body parts in her lower body it's just like almost Mm -hmm. she almost looks like a severely burned person um right and but but there's like a there's there's a there's a wetness to to the quality of the design yeah. that I always appreciate. We talk about that a lot. I mean, if it's just like goopy and kind of gross looking, I I just think it's so much more effective. Um, and just looks more well, real. And, and, like it's not so and, dry and, on screen. 
And speaking of like a clashing tone, I think like contributing to a film, yeah. like the fact that it it does like a gory supernatural horror thing that feels kind of out of pace with the rest of the film. I found that unlike with the layer, I found this like actually it made it scarier because yes, like the children's fairy tale stuff feels almost innocent and it feels kind of sweet and kind of cute and the way that it's been designed. Yeah. And then when you throw in this like legitimately creepy gory and, and and stuff that honestly still reads as uh silly at times like there's a part where she's like having dreams about pots of boiling green goopy soup that mm -hmm. like the witches are making or like a part that almost feels like end of a fairy tale where she's arming herself with like these oversized shears yeah like it's it, it's trading just as much in like sort of images that come to mind when you think of like a, an, an old, you know, children's fairy tale of them being stuck living in a house with a witch who is pretending to be their grandma or something like that. Yep. Like it has all of that sort of goofy children stuff in there. But then it just by taking it to these like actually gruesome effects, heavy kind of genre extremes, like it actually it, to, to me it, it made it feel more dangerous and more scary as they you know when it went back to the children's stuff yeah i totally agree uh kind of reminded me of the tone in pan's labyrinth a little bit where it's yeah, kind of yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's very much like you're leaning into the the fairy tale aspect but then as you go deeper and deeper into the rabbit hole it just gets darker and darker and, and it, the adult world is essentially shown to them I, um, yeah and i was gonna say like speaking of another film that does the fairy tale as like a wake up to like the real world that's happening outside that yeah. it's you know like the adult world is more complicated and uh disturbing right, than you could ever almost, anticipate it initially presents itself as just like oh she's got a crush on the pool boy i'm gonna get in my bikini and try to go in front of him and be like, oh, I'm I'm cute, aren't I cute? That kind of thing. <laughs> and then it just mm -hmm. turns into like sac family sacrifices and uh, just realizing that... Ritualistic, yeah. violent sex scenes yeah, with the, that almost reminded me of the the innocence when the maid and the groundskeeper have like a relation, uh, uh, you know, like a hardcore rough sex relationship with each other that starts, oh, yeah. they think, infecting the kids, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> And then they have like, like you were just mentioning that, that ritual kind of around the, the, the campfire in the woods that she discovers and they like sacrifice yep. themselves, uh, to do it right in front of her. And, and eventually there's this one and she shot. slices her own throats in, in front of her, dude. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's gruesome. It like it's violent, wild. this and, film. And, and like we said, it, it leads up to all of this. So it, it does feel in like the first 45 minutes, like it's more of a children's fairy tale it's still horror, but you know, more in line Haunted with the house. children's uh, yeah. perspective. And then it just gets so much worse and, and adult, uh, and, and violent. Um, and, and I think it really suits it well. Like one shot, it, this is just more of a gross out shot for me, but the one shot, they have a close up of, of the grandmother, the witch's mouth as she's drinking, um, like oh, the children's Luna's blood, blood, right? And it's just yeah. Unbelievably. She's just slurping it and up. Slurping <laughs> it, and she's, it, it's, 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 it's disgusting. Like it's an unnecessary way of drinking anything. And, uh, and they have it just the camera right up like side profile. I wish I, I've, I wish I could have drank anything and felt as, uh, euphoric as that <laughs> yeah. grandma was feeling exactly. drinking that blood. She's like, she's like tongue fucking the glass. It's fucking wild. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, stuff like that, I think was, was, was great. And then, and then the, um, I thought the ending was, I, I was expecting kind of a, a dark twist, but what I wasn't expecting was it to be as cruel as it was. Um, yeah, I was definitely expecting there to be like, uh, the, the parents come home and they find out that the granny has been a witch and has been genuinely draining the little sister of blood, including whipping her around on a wheelchair with like literal, like blood sample slash transfusion tools. Yeah. And she's like, okay, well at this point you're very clearly just, you know, you're, you're, you're not just like biting into her leg. You have like a, like a machine to get this blood out of her at this point because she wants to become, you know, the grandma is the witch from the story she wants to be a young a young woman um and yeah the 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 big sort of like twist after the you know uh scenes where they go into the woods and there's like these rituals and tribal dancing and masks and fires and you know characters sacrificing and bathing in blood and humping the air with and giant eggs and the red (laughs) gel lighting like it, it gets pretty stylistically out there yeah and the grandma eventually does become super young and is revealed to be her mother's uh, twin sister or triplet sister and that they are the original children from the story who became witches. And the eventual (laughs) twist that when the mother goes back in, she trades places with her Mm -hmm. and she, so she, she puts all the bandages on that. The the grandma was wearing on, on the mother. And now she looks young and looks exactly like the mother played by the same actress. And (laughs) she like makes out and fucks the husband right in front of everybody. Basically. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And Um. yeah, the, the house is like crumbling and they're the, yeah, just having Nala go back upstairs to go and kill what she thinks is her witch of a grandmother. And what has instead happened is that the grandma has become her mother and become young and put her mom in her place. And we just watch the daughter kill her own mom, like not knowing that it's her mom yeah. and pretty graphically, like with the shears, like she just, she starts Bloods everywhere, st- stabbing the shit out of her gut and her side. And then once again, because witches don't like salt, she covers her in salt and yep. you know, just, yeah, just, uh, and- burns her, to death yeah and and it's and it's also played as this moment of like um real triumph in a sense for for uh for nala because she's she makes the conscious decision to like go back and be like i'm gonna i'm gonna get rid of this witch like i'm going to kill her and i'm gonna be it's almost like a, a thing where it's like she's becoming more adult she's growing up and she's making this really difficult decision but she's ultimately destroying the evil or the curse or whatever and uh it, it, and the spin is that she absolutely has not she's just killed the mother that granted she she has killed the, the witch but, with, but, but but her mother it turns out was also a witch and was probably the nicer witch yeah, of the two <laughs> it seemed yeah it seemed like her mother was actually trying to help her children whereas the grandmother was just trying to or <laughs> whatever it was at this point uh the grandmother was just trying to uh live on and stay youthful and you know the classic the classic witch move um mm-hmm. but yeah yeah it's i was not expecting the cruelty at the end of the film and they just kind of do this thing where it's like uh the the weird looking creature or grandma or grandma or what's left while she's not in her pristine form uh just kind of like hugs her and they do this zoom out of the apartment and it just goes to the whole city and you're just kind of left yeah, the, with the, that. The, the, the old ways have made their way into the city now. Yes. And they're like, 
and like yeah who knows what kind of happens from there it's very bleak actually it is it's very bleak because it just ends and it's just like uh something like you were tricked into killing your own mother and then it's like done (laughs) (laughs) you're like holy shit which to be fair too and and what's cool about that is that that does feel truthful to like those old really dark fairy tales absolutely all of those and morbidly almost all of them yes so it, it feels like he made the right call in terms of where he decided to to take this. And yeah, so like that totally made up for the kind of early and middle sections where I thought, OK, we're getting a little a little too cutesy with the fairy tale haunted house being a metaphor for, you know, like this girl coming into womanhood. And I was being like, OK, I'd, I really hope there is more to this. And yeah. uh, like there was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there absolutely is. He had plenty it gets of slimy. It sleeve. gets goopy. It gets weirdly horny and rich ritualistic and violent. And I was like, OK, I will absolutely take whatever the hell is going on with this like Mexican folklore monster movie, witch movie. It's yeah. great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for, yeah. For me, um, this was a solid three. Yeah, solid three. I really, I really did enjoy it, uh, especially by the the last like half an hour. Um, and I plan on checking out another couple of these guys' films. Actually, it's uh, he's got two. One's called The Similars, and one's called The Incident, and they both have pretty good ratings. So I'm gonna make sure I check them out because I I did like his style, uh, and he's got some good ideas. So yeah, yeah, solid. Hell yeah. Check them out. Check them out. Uh, That will wrap it up for the features that we saw at the Toronto After Dark Film Festival. But before we wrap up here, because we didn't get it, we were kind of hoping to see like four or five movies and we didn't get quite that much of a chance. Yeah. So um, we thought that we would kind of give a shout out to a couple short films that we checked out which i i don't know if these are going to be become available online for people at some point they they probably uh they they might so Mm -hmm. keep your eyes out if you're interested at all in in genre short films but i figure jamie and i will probably just go back and forth and maybe name a couple short films that we saw that we wanted to uh highlight yeah and i think we've uh, seen the same ones for the most part so yeah, we, we, we tried to watch everything that played in the in the pre-feature short film list. And I also branched out and watched a couple other ones. So we'll yeah. see uh, which ones that you would like to uh, name. But Jamie, what was the first short film that you saw that kind of stood out for you? Uh, it was actually one that you suggested uh, and said that it was good was Cruise, um, which was just this very it's very uh, it's very it's like six minutes long. Uh, essentially you, you open up with a guy in, uh, kind of like this office space, uh, with a man sitting across from him and he's trying to convince somebody to, uh, take a, take a free cruise on, on the telephone, kind of like teleprompter style. Um, and he fails to do so and he immediately gets shot in the head. Uh, so you kind of have that, that premise in the first minute and then the second guy comes in, um, and he essentially has the same task and, knows exactly what the consequences seem to be. Um, yes. and, and they have three tries. There's like a little yes. clock in the corner that's telling them. Yeah and, it, yeah, and it clicks down every single time they fail. Uh, and that does include, even if there's like a hang up of the phone and it was unintentional or anything like that. Um, and it, it almost sounds like it would be more of like a suspense thing, but they play it as a comedy thing for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. It, it feels like a workplace satire type thing. Like, like, a, yes. like, think like office space or something like that. But it's like the, 
most like don't fail to uh, meet your quota you sound like group <laughs> yeah like gruesome contraption telemarketing campaign where it's like you know like the I, I do like the bald man in the leather coat my my favorite part was the tense moment where the guy actually does get the guy on the line to take it but he loses service <laughs> yeah and so as a result he hangs up but the guy's like well the guy was gonna take it and <laughs> then he uses caller id to call back Right. And the great I, little tense moment they came up with is the one where he's like, am I allowed to like answer it? Right. Like, and, and the bald guy has to go over, put his gun down and go <laughs> over to the dusty rule books to be like, while the phone is ringing and be like, okay, is it okay for this guy to answer the phone? Is this in the, and he's like, okay, I guess it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it's funny too. Cause he doesn't, he doesn't say anything. I don't think the entire time, um, the, the guy that's holding the gun, and he plays it very much like this is just his day job and it's just he's gotten used to what he has to do day in and day out. So it's very just like flatly delivered and he's just looking at the rule book like it's just his job every day. And he's just like, oh, yeah, I guess it is in there. OK, go ahead and answer the phone. Uh, and I just yeah, I loved how dryly it was delivered in that sense. Um, I loved the like kind of comedic panic that the other guy was doing as he was trying to convince people to take the cruise. Um, yeah. yeah, I just had a, I just had a really good time with it. I thought it was very funny. Yeah. And uh, six minutes and it has a good sense of humor and it has a funny little, uh, you know, like one room claustrophobic horror concept, like yeah. mixed with like a workplace comedy type thing. And at so, the end, I yeah. think uh, he, he, he like he actually succeeds and it ends up that he gets the free cruise or something like that. Yes. <laughs> which is very funny. Um, so, yeah, I, I had a good time with this one. I gave it a, a three. Yeah, and that one, uh, I figured just because these are short films and we, we, we should give a shout out to that one was directed by oh, Sam yes. Rudikoff. So yeah. we were we're going to we're going to be shining, shining some light uh, today. So yes. thanks to uh, Sam. That was a cool little short film. Yes, agreed. Uh, the the next one for uh, me, the one of the main ones that really stood out, because I, I ended up watching, I think, like eight to like maybe eight or nine. I, I, I saw a couple. Mm hmm. The uh, this was one that I thought was personally I thought this one was the funniest one in a really bleak way. Okay, uh, it yeah. was called Horse Brothers, yeah. Um, yeah. and it was it was directed by Milos uh, Mitrovic and Fabian Valesco, and it was it's a it's an eight minute short. It was shot on sixteen millimeter. It has a really um, <laughs> it has like the like four three aspect ratio, and it is a Winnipeg horror comedy essentially about. Um, two brothers who live on a farm together and they are selling like old uh, tech devices like like iPhones and laptops and like essentially they've given up on farming as their way <laughs> of uh, making money and they just kind of live off these these selling these old devices but it turns out that uh, one of the brothers ends up uh, trading some of it for just like batteries instead of money and he might be like skimping on on his part of the work and the profit and so as a result these two brothers are kind of going a little bit crazy because and and also they have a horse this is a good uh, an, an important note they are the horse brothers and the horse is voiced by the very well-known uh, Canadian art house filmmaker Guy Madden, who did uh, films like The Forbidden Room and My Winnipeg. And um, he speaks basically via voiceover, but also like silent era title cards. The, the like right. the, 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 It's a very strangely designed little movie where one brother kills the other brother and steals the horse. And that's basically the whole premise of the eight minutes. But it's gorgeously shot. 
I thought the way that it was like expressively lit and grainy, it reminded me of like almost like Italian horror at times. Yeah. It has these really crazy, weird, abstract close-ups, um, hilarious Canadian hick accents for people who are fans of that. <laughs> like uh, like um, the Fubar. Oh yeah, <laughs> fuck. One of my favorite movies of it's all like, time. Yeah, man. Like, so if you like that kind of stuff, think of like Fubar characters being like, hey, buddy. Um, but they are stuck in some genuinely what is like nightmarish and kind of psychedelic um, imagery. And it also ends on a fucking hilarious gag where the horse whips out a pistol and shoots one of the brothers in a head, one of my which I was not favorite, expecting at all. One of my honestly, like I, I, I really I did like this. So it was kind of still in the like three strong three territory for me. But when I that horse shot was unbelievably funny one of my favorite shots of this year to be honest <laughs> just you just don't expect it no exactly because what what the shot is for everybody is um there it's it's like this wide shot where you're kind of far away from them while they're in the canoe in in the middle of the the lake or ocean and you see the brother sitting up and you see the horse on the other side just standing up and one of the horse's legs just just extends with a gun in hand and then shoots the brother and then goes back down <laughs> so he's on all fours again and it's just something I've like obviously never seen before, and uh, it was it was hilarious. Like I, I laughed pretty hard, so I loved that. And I also loved that like, you were mentioning the uh, psychedelic uh, nature of it sometimes, where the one brother like busts into the room and starts screaming at the top of his lungs, and like everything goes blurry, and and he just he he won't stop with the like scream face, and then it kind of. Uh, it starts the to horse impose. head pops up in the bed and it almost looks like it, like it's they're doing like a comedy version of the shot from the Godfather where the guy wakes up in bed with the horse head in bed with him. Yeah. Yeah. And then but at the same time, it almost it, it flashes in the bed and then disappears. So it has this like surreal dreamlike element to it. And it even ends after the initial brother was killed uh, with him looking at the brother getting shot by the horse in the house still. Mm. So it's just it's a it's a very strange movie but i i found uh, they 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 found a good tone between the like kind of surreal elements and the in the comedy aspect of it i um i was i was on board for for most of its uh for most of the ideas i did i did think yeah. a, a little bit of the look like i get what they were going for but i felt it to be a little bit over the top with its design um but i did still mm. i did still really like it. And, and once you see the whole thing in its context, it kind of suits what, what they're doing. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I had a good time with this one. I read it as well. Yeah, and that was very, very funny. And that was, uh, Fabian Velasco and Milos Mitrovic. 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 Yeah. Hopefully I got those yeah. right. So that's our, that's our Canadian horror shout out. Good job guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next one for me, is called this is like a really short one and i think that's why it worked for me uh it was called the community and um it was it's okay i didn't see this it's, one it's uh, directed by oh is it directed by the same one sec i just have to it, this didn't have a letterbox so i have to uh double check here oh this was actually oh. directed by milos again and I didn't even realize it. There you go. So that's hey, you cool. made it twice. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, this was also a kind of a, a comedy one, much more straightforward comedy than any horror aspect to it. 
Um, but it's essentially about some guy that meets this this dude that he's very intrigued by. Um, but he has the, the the guy that he's intrigued by has this presentation of like that that dude that acts like he knows what's going on in the American government, and um, you mm. know he's just like I've got all the answers, man. Uh, he's, he's like teaching him almost how to be a man or something like that. And it, it seems as if it's it's a little bit of a weird, confusing short to be honest. But I found it funny because it, it seems as if in this world at least from what I could tell in the context, uh, seeing naked people or porn is very difficult. And he tells him that he's got this thing that he wants to show him in the woods and he brings him out to a laptop and, uh, you know, tries, tries to get onto a porn website and there's no Wi-Fi, obviously. So he's like, oh, shit, I don't have access to it. And then he finds they find two other men that are in there that are acting as if they're also not looking for porn. And they find each other and the one guy just outright says, you know what? We're looking for porn. Uh, and they they kind of form this like community or brotherhood just based on that. And it's um, it's very s- ridiculous and kind of stupid, um, but it, it leans into that. And it's like three and a half minutes or something like that. Um, and it's just, you know, it's about a couple guys finding, finding brotherhood. And I, I found it to be pretty funny. So, um, yeah, so that one's cool. called The Community. Cool. And Milos making uh, two two Canadian uh, yeah. shorts in, in the batch. Um, yeah, he's a funny well, guy. Well, I basically, I think I only have uh, two more. I know one of them is one that you've seen, so I'll save that one for you. But the other one, I, I don't know if you saw this one or not. Um, uh, the other really big standout one for me was called O or Zero. I don't really know. It's it's basically just like the letter O or like a, like a zero. That's just the title. Oh, okay. Um, and it's a, it's a German one directed by, um, Dominic Balco and, uh, it is sort of, it's stated as a, uh, a quote unquote surreal portrayal of addiction. Um, but essentially what it is, is it has, it's this very stark black and white horror short and it follows this woman who just at, at, while walking along a street, she spots like this fist sized hole in a wall. And she's kind of entranced by how endless it is and how dark it is. And she decides to put her hand into it and she puts her hand and then eventually her whole arm into it. And she kind of creepily smiles and she's very clearly kind of uh, enjoys it. And uh, she becomes so sort of hypnotically driven by this like new desire that's been opened up by spot like by spotting this hole that she decides she now starts wanting to do that with everything. She starts putting her hands into her vacuum cleaner uh, until her skin actually starts like tearing off. Uh, She feels the desire to shove her hands in her mouth because her mouth is a hole. Um, And it eventually leads to this very absurd and pretty creepy imagery where she slices. She looks at her belly button and she goes, I'm I'm going in. I want to know what's in there. So she literally grabs like essentially like these scissors or a knife and starts slicing open her stomach. Oh my god. And on it, this is depicted on from actually the inside of her stomach where there is basically this goopy witch beckoning her from inside her belly button to keep going further in and so and scale wise it's like a little tiny witch and you can see like the the skin flaps opening up as like the blade is coming in and this witch has like a hole instead of an eyes and forehead she almost looks like the black and white like otherworldly stuff in twin peaks the return that's how she's kind of designed to look on the inside Mm -hmm. and 
and yeah, like it turns into like this cosmic thing where she's getting so much. Uh, it's, it's almost like she's traveling through space by cutting into her stomach and viewing this other world with other creatures in it. And then the last shot is her just uh, essentially it goes back to like the realism uh, where she has just sliced a hole in her stomach, mutilated herself and killed herself. <laughs> and that's it. That's wild. Uh, and uh, yeah, then it just ends with a big O and it's like a, a smoke ring and a black hole. And so like, that's where the title comes from as well. So it's literally just like this. O. she's entranced by this circle. <laughs> oh man. That, yeah, that sounds good. But great. it was cool. I, I might check that one out after that sounds very interesting. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'll let you, I'll actually let that you was do... one of the longer ones I did, too. That was like 15 minutes or something like that. Oh, OK. Well, speaking of <clears throat> longer ones, I, I kind of have one, too. Uh, before we I'll let you do the, the rat catcher's daughter. Uh, just because okay. I, I did have another one here. This one I was like, sure. Kind of back and forth about um, because I think it takes a little bit too long to get to its big like moment, which when it happens, <clears throat> man, I'm losing my voice today when it happens. uh you you kind of know that that's where the whole thing was leading to, uh, and it is impressive looking and 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 kind of scary and and all of that. Uh, but essentially, it's called In the Dark, and it's directed by Bronson Allen. Um, and it's essentially about two people that are going out on a date, and it starts with the girl kind of being like, "I've been out with a bunch of these weirdos." Like one guy was uh, 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 collecting his toenail clippings in a jar because he thought it like ordered away spirits and, and, and that kind of thing. So she's just like hoping that this date is going to go smoothly and it's going to be a normal guy and all that. So she gets there and it is going well. They have a charming back and forth. You know, they're attracted to each other, all of that. But then she realizes that all of the lights in his uh, house have this kind of like barricade so that the lights always stay on. They, they absolutely cannot be shut off. Um, and so she kind of just is curious about that. And when they're about to have sex... She wants the lights off um, and he just keeps turning them on because he's kind of scared. And he explains to her that back when he was a kid, there was this kind of entity that would be at the uh, at the at the front of his bed um, as long as it was Mm. dark out or dark inside. And he just thinks that if it happens again, um, it will return. And she thinks, you know, he's being kind of silly. She's nice to him and she promises that uh, that. that she'll stay for the night until he sleeps. And then when she leaves, because she's just kind of like, I don't know if this is the guy for me anymore. uh, She turns off the lights and says something like, um, uh, grow up. And as soon as she leaves, she starts to hear like a rumble. And then she, she walks in and this fucking giant creature that looks very mean and angry with these like huge gnarling teeth and giant claws is just slitting his throat incredibly violently. Um, And, and I did, and I really liked it. And it kind of ends on her seeing this, going back to her place, and now she's collecting her toenail clippings for protection, and like her house is like rigged to have all the lights on and all of that. Um, and she's kind of startled, and it and it ends there. Uh, I, I I liked all of the the effects, and you know some of the lead up I think was it was really good and and necessary for that big moment. Um, it's just that I think it takes a little too long to get there, especially for the overall just kind of gag and point that it's making. Um, but once it does get to that point, you're like, oh, that was pretty gnarly. I, I did enjoy that. So uh, yeah, nice. I'm kind of cross between it. I don't know if I really 
liked it overall, but I would suggest still watching it just because there's a, a good gag in it. So, yeah, that was In the Hell Dark. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I think the last one we're going to talk about here is one that Jamie and I both saw. Yes. And uh, that one is the, I think, the one animated short inclusion that we have here, mm-hmm. which is uh, called The Rat Catcher's Daughter. And it actually screened in front of the Neil Marshall film when it played. Um, it is uh, directed by Jim Bryson and Adam Jeffcoat. And yeah, it is a it is a cool little short. I, I, I mostly picked this one because I really respect the um, the gruesomeness and the animation design that they went for. Yeah, I don't know, like a, exactly everything that it was that they were kind of getting at with the, the too, giant yeah. rat monster revolution. Like, I wasn't exactly sure what it was that, you know, dramatically I was supposed to be getting out of it. But I was impressed with it as just a piece of design work because it's set yeah, in 1920s pet. Petrograd and it's about these uh, uh, revolutionary uh, rats who basically rise from the underground sewers and become these very murderous uh, creatures and it's supposed to unite one where there's this this character called the rat catcher and his daughter obviously who's the the main character and this sort of like young um revolutionary who she becomes kind of swept up in and they both have to fend off these essentially giant rats in like cult robes (laughs) and the the entire style is like grayscale except for red so that you can see his sort of like revolutionary patch on his jacket and also every bit of blood (laughs) yeah very sin city yeah, it definitely has like, uh, you know, like uh, a little bit of a comic uh, quality to that as as well, yeah. like comic book. Like I thought a little bit about some of like the the Hellboy imagery as well, a little bit yeah, sure. uh, while watching this. Um, just with like the way that they use like the the oversized jackets and like the maces and the eventual flamethrowers, like it, it feels like it has like a little bit of that dark, stark noir. Yeah, and before um, they're doing like that kind of revolutionary romanticism a little bit between the, yeah. the daughter and the the revolutionary um mm-hmm. which i i did kind of like before it just breaks into like pure genre violence <laughs> yeah so so yeah i thought I, th- I thought it was cool and the main reason i'm including it is because i was just like you know i, I definitely thought it was a little bit long for me not being yeah. sure exactly what i was supposed to be getting out of it but I was like, this is an incredibly bloody and dark piece of animation that stylistically I was or like the last time I had seen someone try to do these kinds of designs and this kind of location for animation. I'm pretty sure it was the 1997 Fox animation Anastasia, which is also set in like the 1910s or 1920s uh, Petrograd, Russia. So I was like. Wow, seeing that, but done in this almost like uh, over the top, violent Hellboyish almost kind of quality. I was like, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally. Agree. It's neat. Yeah, I don't have, I don't have much to add. I, I just I really enjoyed the uh, the style of it. I, I enjoyed the genre switch when it eventually came. Um, I do probably mm-hmm. think it was a little over long. That could have been my fault, just not understanding all of its context. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, th- I thought it was really good. I, I love seeing. Um, quality animation and this definitely has it so yeah I, I enjoyed it as well hell yeah well i think that's it for the uh genre shorts that jamie and i saw at tron after dark and those are all the features that we watch and everything as well so uh thanks so much for uh 
listening and for you know hanging out and i would normally we uh, we say thanks for being patrons but you know we're not exactly <laughs> sure who in here is listening over on the main feed and who's the patrons but you know we've been getting a lot of patrons recently so thanks so much to everyone who's been supporting and if you yeah. like this and you want to hear us talk about more uh, you know hear more bonus transmissions this is kind of what they're like we just talk about new release genre stuff and we do have one coming out in the next week where we're going to be talking about the monsters and halloween ends and smile and uh, a lot of really big stuff that has come out recently so look forward to that mm-hmm. and also we are in halloween week so look forward to some absolute craziness on the way we have a, a, a double feature virtual screening night coming up soon on the 28th we have the uh the the halloween episode uh where we're talking about slashers we're gonna be talking about blood rage and grave robbers so lots of halloween stuff to look forward to um on the way and uh yeah and once again thanks to uh adam and christian for giving us press access to the toronto after dark um films we uh yeah, thank you definitely think that you should put a couple of these on your radar like there's a couple of them that probably won't come out until later in the year but we could absolutely see them on the honorable mentions uh mm-hmm. at the end of the year um especially like hazard and 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 evil eye which i was yeah. uh you know in impressed by so but yeah i think that that will wrap it up for this bonus transmission on the toronto after dark film festival thanks so much for listening and keep it easy keep it easy everybody